Please open your Bibles to John chapter 8, verses 37 to 47. And if you're using the Pew Bible, you will find the reading at pages 894 and 895. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, he would love me, for I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. May God bless to our understanding this reading from his holy word. Let's pray. Almighty God, as your word has been opened and read in our presence, and as the last uh, words that were read, the last line that was read, the reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. It causes me to tremble, to think that there very well could be those who are not of God this morning, sitting under the reading and proclamation of your holy word. I ask God that you open our ears, give us the humility to hear your word this morning. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen.
I know that a many that uh, many of you know a great deal about Jonathan Edwards. I've seen um, his books on uh, your shelves and your homes. In fact, in some cases, I've even seen uh, Jonathan Edwards' complete works on your bookshelves. Uh, if you don't know who Jonathan Edwards is, uh, just a very brief biography. Uh, he lived during the First Great Awakening, during the uh, early part of the 1700s, lived up in New England. Uh, he was a preacher. He is regarded as uh, the greatest American theologian who has ever lived. He's also uh, regarded as the greatest uh, philosopher, American philosopher, that has ever lived. Uh, in fact, he took on the uh, 17th century British um, philosophers on their own terms and pretty much destroyed them. I wish that he had uh, lived after Immanuel Kant. I would love to have seen him deal with Immanuel Kant's philosophy as well. He uh, is regarded um, is highly regarded in American history. Uh, many of you uh, know of him from his sermon, Sinners uh, in the Hands of an Angry God. The reason I tell you this is because at the end of the summer of, seven, of 1874, there was a gathering of nearly 500 of his descendants. They poured into the town of Stockbridge, Massachusetts for, for a family reunion. And this gathering teemed with people from many different professions, and most of these people were recognized as being at the top of their various fields of employment. In fact, a study by the New York Genealogical and Historical Society says probably no two people married since the beginning of the 18th century have been progenitors of so many distinguished persons as were Jonathan Edwards and his wife, Sarah Pierpont. In the year 1900, a study was done of Jonathan Edwards' descendants. And these results have become very famous. In fact, I've heard the, the results of this study, I think, at least um, three different times that I can remember in my life. And this study talks of, is a study of, of um, Jonathan and Sarah's descendants. From their union came 13 college presidents, 65 professors, 100 lawyers, a dean of an outstanding law school, 30 judges, 66 physicians, and a dean of a medical school. Also, 80 holders of public office, among them three United States senators, mayors of three large cities, governors of three states, a vice president of the United States, and a controller of the United States Treasury. And this study was done in 1900. <laughs> the study concludes by saying, there is scarcely any great American industry that has not had one of this family among its chief promoters. 
The family has cost the country nothing in, nothing in pauperism, in crime, in hospital or asylum service. On the contrary, it represents the highest usefulness. The point here, or the point of the study, was that having an, an, an industrious and godly ancestry is greatly to one's advantage. But there's more to the story than was mentioned in the study. Jonathan Edwards' uh, daughter gave birth to a son. And while her son was quite young, she recorded in her diary that he was, quote, very sly and mischievous and that he had a bad temper. And this son that she had given birth to was named Aaron Burr. The plot thickens. We know Aaron Burr not as the sly and mischievous boy, but as the Vice President of the United States who killed Alexander Hamilton in a duel. And of course, this cost Aaron Burr his political career in the United States. You know, if you're the Vice President and you kill the, the Secretary of the Treasury, one of the, the great architects of the Constitution, it's going to cost you politically. So Aaron Burr went um, southwest. He went down toward Louisiana. And he plotted to have himself crowned as the emperor of Mexico. And for this, President Thomas Jefferson accused Aaron Burr of treason. And uh, although uh, he was able to um, escape the jury, uh, it is pretty well known that, this, that he was guilty. The splendid genetic qualities and the godly heritage of Aaron Burr seem to have been dramatically reversed from where he came from. And the point is, although a godly heritage is a great blessing, it does not guarantee spiritual health. As a pastor, I worry that my children will take, for, take their faith for granted because our, our lives revolve around things of the Lord. And so it's easy for them to miss their great neediness of God's grace, their great neediness that they have as sinners. The Jews took their faith for granted. The Jews had faith, but their faith was in their heritage. Their faith was not in the Lord. Remember how last week uh, I noted how aggressively Christ was pressing the Jews? Remember how repeatedly Jesus told the Jews that they would die in their sins? Well, Jesus, in our passage for this morning, has moved on from aggressive preaching to bare-knuckled brawling. So verse 37, um, Jesus said, I know you are offspring of Abraham, that you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do not and you and you do what you have heard from your father. And then 
going on, verse 39, they answered, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works that your father did. Well, who is their father? Verse 44. You are of your father the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so in verse 47, he concludes, whoever is of God hears the word of God. The reason why you don't hear is that you are not of God. Why is it that Jesus has to be so brutal with these Jews? Why are the Jews not willing to believe Jesus? They had seen His miracles. They know that He is unique among all humanity. But they are not willing to trust in Christ because their trust in their ancestry and in their spiritual heritage was so strongly rooted in them that they could not look out them, outside themselves to the true Savior. Oftentimes, the hardest people to reach with the Gospel are people who have been raised in the church. The good news is, however, Jesus preached to these Jews in spite of their hardened opposition because He knew that the Gospel is so powerful that it is able to break the hardest of hearts. What the Jews did not realize was that Every human being really has an ungodly heritage. All of Jonathan Edwards' descendants had an ungodly heritage. All my children have an ungodly heritage. The Jews, the children of Abraham, had an ungodly heritage. What is their heritage? Their heritage is verse 44. You are of your father the devil. They were not children of the devil because they rejected Jesus. They weren't children of the devil because they weren't listening to God. Rather, they were rejecting Jesus and they weren't listening to God because their heritage was they were children of the devil. Every child of Adam is a child of the devil. Because of Adam's sin, our heritage was transferred from being God's heritage to being Satan's heritage. That's why salvation is also called redemption. God had to repurchase us back for Himself. He had to redeem us from our ungodly family line. That through Adam went back to Satan himself. Every child born into this world inherits this same ungodly heritage. 
Even children of believers are little vipers in covenantal diapers. That's why the Bible can give such a blanket statement and say that none are righteous, no, not one. None are righteous because all are born as sinners. The entire nature of our souls is corrupted. We come into this world being opposed to God. We sin because we are sinners. And this is a desperate estate in, in which we find ourselves. The Shorter Catechism says that the fall brought mankind into an estate of sin and misery. Every one of us desperately needs Jesus Christ for redemption. Every one of us desperately needs our souls to be renewed and regenerated. If you have not fled to Jesus Christ, flee to Him now. Today is the day of salvation. This moment is the very moment of redemption. Don't let this moment pass without crying out to God for mercy and grace. Jesus came to save sinners. He didn't come to put His mark of approval on people with a godly heritage. The issue, as I read what Jesus is saying here in verses 37 through 47, the issue is that the Jews refused to receive Jesus' word because they refused to listen to God. And the irony is that the Jews to whom Jesus was speaking had surely memorized large portions of the Scriptures. They had surely memorized large portions of the Pentateuch. Many of them, though being less literate than we are, knew their Bibles, I would suspect, better than we do. Yet they did not listen to God. I'm sure, I'm sure you've had conversations with people and while you were having the conversation, you knew full well that they were not listening uh, to what you were saying. Parents of teenagers, have all you, you've all instructed your children only to have them turn around and do what you told them not what, what, what you told them not to do. They heard your words, but they didn't take your words to heart. This is the attitude with which the Jews listened to Jesus and listened to God's Word when they memorized it. Uh, this is the attitude that causes people not to listen. I'm sorry. Um, I wanted to ask the question, what is the attitude that causes people not to listen? I believe it's an attitude of pride in the heart. They think that they, need, that they know all that they need to know. They will do what they want to do, and they are smart enough to figure things out for themselves. The problem is, faith in God always involves deep humility. You cannot be a believer without also expressing or experiencing profound humility. Because humility opens your ears to listen to God. Humility breaks apart the hardened wax in your ears 
or the hardened wax of pride that causes you not to listen to God, even though you might hear the words. Why was this pride such an issue for the Jews? Well, the answer is simple. They loved themselves more than they loved God. And this is a simple answer today. People uh, do not open their ears to listen to God because they really don't love God. They didn't really love Jesus. Or they really don't love Jesus. They wanted salvation to keep them out of hell, of course. But they don't really love Him. Look at verse 42. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love Me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of My own accord, but He sent Me. Where is your love? Does your love for Christ transcend your love for all other things? Does your love for Christ transcend your love for yourself? Your love for Christ will be seen in your willingness to submit to God. And so let me ask this question. What is the trajectory of your life? Is it God-centered or is it me-centered? Be humble enough to examine this question truthfully. Jesus said to them, the reason why you do not hear them in terms of God's Word is that you are not of God. Whoever is of God hears the Word of God. How's your listening when it comes to God? We've only had indications that Aaron Burr, Jonathan Edwards' grandson, died as a child of the devil. We have no indications that he ever humbled himself before God. We have no evidence that he ever trusted Christ. We have no information that he ever submitted to anyone but himself. Listen to God. May His Word speak in the deepest places of our heart this morning. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank You for Your Holy Spirit because the corrupt, the corrupt natures of our souls are such that we would never listen to You, that we would always remain opposed to You. But you sent your Spirit to bring life where there was only spiritual death. To open ears that were closed by pride. To open eyes that only saw self. Lord, I pray that your Spirit would speak in our hearts so that we would listen to You. That we would listen with the humility of faith. That we would listen to You with the submission of faith. God, I pray that You would enthrone Yourself upon the, the throne of our hearts. 
I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.